if Shlomo, the, the engine boy, throws a wrench into the engine and that's right, you're, you're going the, down with the ship. Yeah, and the USS uh, uh, smokestack, you're going down with a ship, right? Because you're the captain. And, and even right. if you didn't throw the wrench in, you are responsible for that. That's a traditional patriarchal idea. Welcome to the Stand Firm Podcast. I'm Nick Lannon of Grace Anglican Church in Louisville, Kentucky, and I'm here with Matt Kennedy of the Anglican Church of the Good Shepherd in Binghamton, New York, and J.D. Koch of Christ Church Anglican in Mount Pleasant, South Carolina. How are you guys doing today? Great. Matt, we've heard hey, some Nick, concern hey. from listeners about your health after the incursion of an animal <laughs> on the Preventing Grace podcast. Is everyone Okay. Yeah, I mean that's 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 Benter, our our newest large, very large dog, and he, yeah, like during the podcast, he's always up there with us in the bed, and he's like licking himself <laughs> and breathing heavily, and so I have to constantly tell our listener it, it's <laughs> that's the dog, it's not you know anyone else. Um, but this time, like a doorbell rang or something, and he's just like just just erupted with a with a bark, and <laughs> it was really loud and. <laughs> Has he been properly chastised? Uh, yeah, so there's a problem. I didn't want to start screaming at him and cussing at him on the podcast, <laughs> right. Christian podcast. So what am I supposed to do? And there's nothing really <laughs> to, to rub Has his anyone... nose in. Right, right, right. That's right. Has anyone seen Anne since this encounter? <laughs> She's not a very big, and even either one. I mean, I wouldn't put it past a dog to take both of y'all down. I mean, I know you're, you're wiry, but. We're smaller you know, people. Right? It's a we're, big we're, dog. We're a tiny people. Right? <laughs> That's right. I mean, the Irish aren't known for their giant uh, sort of animal husbandry regarding the giant dogs. So I think. Uh... <laughs> That's there's, there's really. <laughs> I'm just picturing like Clifford the big red dog, like <laughs> sitting outside your house with his head through the window, you know, like swallowing both of you. So. <laughs> well. This is going to be a jarring transition if we ever had one to the topic <laughs> that we've assigned for ourselves today. We should do a different topic. <laughs> Boy. So the ongoing investigation into the alleged abuse in the Diocese of the Upper Midwest has had some drama this week. Um, those Following along, we'll have seen a communication from the provincial response team about progress, including the hiring of a third party investigative firm. And then very shortly after that, a public letter of resignation from some members of the provincial response team, three of them, was sent publicly, citing all of their problems with the process so far, especially their feeling that it had not been fast enough, transparent enough, or victim-centered enough. Uh, then shortly after that, the remaining members of the provincial response team sent their own communication disagreeing with the sentiments of those who resigned, but not wanting to continue to litigate the whole issue in public. Now, on the heels of all of this, and I have to wonder if our ACNA situation was at least partially the spark for it, Kevin DeYoung wrote an article for the Gospel Coalition called Toward a Better Discussion About Abuse in which he notes clearly that abuse does happen in the church and that churches have sometimes failed in their responsibilities to care for those who have been hurt. He does, though, express some concern about the direction of the conversation around abuse, how that word is used, what it has come to mean, and how the church can move forward faithfully. 
So with the understanding that we three are not privy to the details of the ongoing investigation in the Diocese of the Upper Midwest, what do you guys make of what's happening this past week in the ACNA and Kevin DeYoung's article and the ability of people to have these difficult conversations at all? I mean, I think I do think that for many, many decades, uh, so much abuse has been covered up and uh, the church and I don't, I, I don't want to say the church might be speaking too broadly, but, but many within the church, some within the church, have not been forthcoming with with what they know has happened. And I'm not talking about the ACNA in particular. I'm talking about just the church in general. Um, and so in, in response to that, of course, it's not surprising that you would have um, movements that are that are seeking to redress that that overarching long-term injustice and that's that's not a bad thing and i think uh, kevin de young's article is very clear that you know that we need to be we need to be willing to look at ourselves in the mirror and and change what needs to be changed so that so that abuse is not as easy as it has been i mean it's really important for uh congregations to have safe church practices uh, and safe church policies in place uh so that so that we you're you're aware of the, the existence of predators and people who are trying to come into your church to groom children and uh, and you're not turning a blind eye to somebody because of his or her position in the church you're you're, you're, you're being careful to watch I think what the what, what's new is is a sense that when an accusation is made and this is what Kevin young was talking about when that, when an accusation is made the response and the investigation uh, need to be driven in a way now that they haven't ever been driven before. Um, and I would say, and I agree with Kevin DeYoung on this, in a way that is doesn't meet the standards of biblical justice. So there is an idea now, and it's and it's you kind of heard hints of it with the Me Too movement and with uh, the the phrase "believe the woman." There are hints now that any accusation of abuse needs to be implicitly believed until there's there's reason not to believe it. So so if anyone's accused of abusing a child or abusing a woman or abusing someone or a man underneath authority, if an authority figures accused of abuse, then 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 the the, the the accusation itself needs to be treated as if it's if it's true, and then wait for subsequent events to roll out. And if it turns out that it's not true, fine, but, but it's, it needs to be treated if it's, as if it's true. And that, that does is, is as difficult as it is in our context to say that that flies right in the face of what we see in the scriptures. That, that's never in the scriptures, the model um, accusations need to be grounded in evidence and testimony. And there is in the scriptures as well as in our own law, um, the presumption of innocence until proven guilty, and and there's a, there's within our within the scriptures the the idea, and it's something that we we're increasingly uncomfortable with in our society that that it's better to let the guilty go free than to than to implicate and then take away the freedom of the innocent. Uh, it's so so you err on the side of of the person who's being accused in general as far as assumptions go. 
that's all being turned on its head. And, 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 and the language is being used about that is, is uh, the language is being used to employ or to, to advocate for this is, is trauma informed, which tends, at least, is, and maybe someone who's listening to this can correct me. But as I've been reading uh, through things, it seems like trauma informed just basically means we are siding with those who make the accusations from the outset and, and not trying to withhold any kind of judgment about the, the accused. And if that's what that is, if it, is what, it seems like that's what this right. is, then it's not, then it's, then we, then Christians would have to say, this is a violation of biblical justice. And you should be given the opportunity, I think, to clarify what I'm sure that you mean right. by the presumption of innocence when you say that we do presume innocence. But for instance, in a church, if somebody is accused of a, abuse, it would still be okay to remove them from the situation. Sure. You say, hey, we got to suspend you. Yeah. We've yeah. got to put you on leave for a bit, for a bit until we investigate this. That's right. Um, but, but there's a difference between that, which I think is standard operating procedure for even before this new kind of yeah yeah particularly with youth and children particularly. yeah you, you put the person on leave and you say okay let's investigate this thing and you, you know it, i think if if i were approached by somebody in my church who said that someone on staff or someone that someone in our, our church was abusing them if it was especially if it was a child i would be mandatorily required to That's call right. the police that way there would yeah. be no no ifs, ands, or buts about that. Uh, that, but that still doesn't presume guilt. That just that's you're you're taking measures in case there is guilt to protect those who have been hurt, and that that's all you're doing. Right. Yeah, I agree with you. I think um, you know the the whole way that the conversation is is unfolding um, has had a number of sort of novelties that have been brought into the to the whole you know sorted affair, and it is sorted. I mean, I think Kevin Young's article is is quick to point out, as any Christian would, that where we find abuse, where we find harm and violence, we need to be, um, as Christians above all, um, quick to identify it, eradicate it, put a stop to it wherever we can, knowing that this side of heaven, our injustice is going to be perfect. We nevertheless try to to live rightly. Um, but that being said, one of the in, in the in the new the sort of novelty in the conversation, from my way of thinking, particularly is the redefinition or the expansion, I should say, of the, 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 the abuse, the word abuse. Because, you know, what I understand abuse to be is um, actual sort of physical violence, uh, maybe, you know, uh, sort of clearly delineated emotional um, trauma, you know, things that, that can be explained, identified, and, and understood, um, you know, for, for decades, if not centuries, if not millennia, as, as what constitutes abuse. But the word these days is being extended to, um, well, what seems to be in some cases uh, just a disagreement with a pastor or someone in leadership, maybe a, a disagreement about leadership styles, maybe someone speaks more forcefully or directly than you are personally um, you know, feel is warranted, and therefore you, you then claim the status of a, of a victim of, of abuse. And I think that you know, the, the, if that's not identified and sort of corrected, well, then we're all going to um, end up being in a world where we just simply are afraid of being adjudicated by, or, 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 or um, and not adjudicate, well, an adjudicatable world where we are all being uh, accused left, right, or the other of what could be very hard to have held up as abuse even 10 years ago, and yet now is becoming part, part of the common parlance. And I think that's a real, um, it's going to have a real chilling effect on, on genuine communication 
um, going forward. Um, and as we've often seen, has the flip side of, of further pushing genuine abuse under the rug. Because if we stretch the word to mean just about anything that I find offensive or disagreeable about someone that's in authority over me, well then where actual abuse takes place, it's going to ring more hollow than when the word actually uh, landed with the force that it's appropriate uh, to have, which should should send alarm bells. But now it's becoming part of uh, a broader sort of uh, stretching of the term, which which as will be the case, will have the 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 opposite effect of what the people are arguing for. Yeah, no, I think I think that if you in in right in this current atmosphere. Just exercising Matthew 18 might be considered spiritual abuse by some, right? Just saying, hey, boy, you've come to my church. Um, you guys are not married and you're, you're sleeping with one another. That's wrong. Um, do you, do you, can you stop that? And then you take it to the next level, the next <laughs> level in the, church, in the church. And the church has to say, oh, no, you can't take communion. I, I mean, it would not at all be unthinkable for that couple to leave that church, go to another church, post a thing on Twitter about how abused they were. Yeah, toxic environment. Right. Right. Yeah, it's, yeah, it was terrible. It was, yeah, that's that's now become that's now become abuse. So, I mean, I, I'm fine with people um, who have feel like they've been badly treated in their parishes, complaining about that, saying, "Hey, we were badly treated here." But but I, I agree that the use of the word abuse it, that that takes it to a, a different level. And it, it actually empties the concept of its of its force so that it's just like every word that the left co-ops, you know, racism, white supremacy. Uh, you call me a white supremacist nowadays. I don't I don't care. You call me a white supremacist 10 years ago. I cared. That was. Yeah. <laughs> all you could think of was American History X. You're like, right. that's the worst <laughs> right. thing you could possibly say to me. Right. Um, no, and I, right. I agree with you. And we should say quickly, we should say that the abuse that's being alleged in the diocese of the Midwest is in fact um, yeah. genuine abuse. That's I mean, real abuse. No if that actually so happened, then people need to be- Exactly, yeah. exactly. And so there's absolutely no question that when allegations of, of genuine abuse that are sort of you know established and, and articulated are made, well then all, all protocols, all safety measures, all uh, need to go into effect immediately but, to hopefully stem the tide if there is genuine abuse. I mean, um, but as you pointed out, that's exactly what that type of emergency response is being threatened when we begin to label everything as abuse. Well, then it, it just it has has the, the 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 undeniable consequence of making people less shocked and fearful of it, because, you know, like when you get into some of these conversations, you're like, oh, well, that's not. That's not I don't know if I would even call that abuse, you know, whereas when I use that word. It should, as I said before, land with the weight of you should take notice because we don't use these words lightly. And when we do, we things are going to happen. And and unfortunately, like I said before, that's this is this is the world we're, we're entering into. Um, and yeah, I mean, you know, Matthew 18, just read sections of Romans or first. I was just reading, you know, first Corinthians six the other day, you know, just read the list of people who will not inherit the, the kingdom of God and 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 see who doesn't feel um, under the modern parlance, quote unquote, abused by Paul and his audacity to call sin, to call out sin where he sees it. And so well, that's why it's illegal now in effect. Finland and Canada. It is abuse there. Yeah, that's right. That's right. And that's what's hard about this is that he, I think Kevin DeYoung points it. Um, I'm, I'm looking to see what what's point he says. Distinguish 
the abuser and everyone else in the system, the quote unquote, the system. I think that's also one of the, the unfortunate side effects of this new culture that we're entering into, because there are people who, who when confronted, uh, when I say there are people, I mean everyone, when confronted with incredibly unexpected, difficult situations, even if they have been prepared for them, sometimes make missteps, like sometimes misspeak, sometimes send the emails before they should have, you know, sometimes don't handle bad and difficult situations properly. And we have a way of, of delineating that. Like sometimes mistakes are rise to the level of punishment, if not dismissal, right? But then there's still a difference between the person who mishandles the situation and the actual perpetrator of violence, the actual perpetrator. And to conflate the two, again, does disservice not just simply to the, to the people themselves, you know, the, the secretary that, that um, was dismissive because it was a phone call at 4.59 in the afternoon and she didn't take it seriously enough. And therefore, she, she is not the abuser. And that's not abuse. And yet there still may be genuine abuse involved, in which case we need to be able to have wisdom to separate and navigate this. But what's happening now is just it's becoming this, this sort of miasma of, of complaint, bitterness, resentment and accusation it is not simply unbecoming in the it's, it's unbecoming in the world, much less in the church. And I'm grateful for our leadership in the province to to be pushing back on some of the complaints, acknowledging where mistakes have been made, and sticking to the protocol that that attempts to treat people across the spectrum as um, Christian humans who um, you know who have hurt each other, perhaps and are seeking justice at the end of a process and not at the beginning. There, there, there's something behind the, 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 the systematic accusation that I think we see cutting across not just the, the, the question of sexual abuse, but uh, race relations, all, all of that in the church. And then that's, that's, uh, that's the idea that uh, is being pushed by people like Kristen DeMay, Beth Allison Barr, that the systems of patriarchy, of white evangelicalism, all of that are just are just necessary. The fruit of those is going to be is going to be abusive in one way or another, either through kind of a racist. A racism is one form of it. Uh, sexual abuse is another. Misogyny is another. It's all it's all resulting in these kinds of horrible, these horrible uh, outcomes. So, so what needs to happen is the whole system needs to be overturned and destroyed. That's that's that's. I think that on the on the on the far extremes of the sexual abuse discussion, there's that. It, it's there's an attempt to link it to patriarchy, to link it to complementarianism, to link it to uh, to traditional church structures, and so we just need to destroy the whole thing. And what that obscures is is it, is actually there is a truth. There's a truth that's there that um, in their zeal to overturn and dest destroy a whole system, they miss. And, and the truth is that within complementarianism, patriarchy, and, 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 and traditional theology, there is a sense in which there's responsibility for sin that extends beyond the actual sinner. So for example, um, if I'm running a church in which I've turned a blind eye to things, or I have not been responsible enough to, to, to teach the right things, to keep my eyes open, then I am responsible, even if I'm not the abuser, I am responsible for what happens under my watch, right? That's, that's a very traditional idea. 
Um, that's that's yeah. consistent with with that go even beyond the church. That's a traditional patriarchal idea. Like if 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 Shlomo the the engine boy throws a wrench into the engine, and that's right, and, you know, you're going the down US, with the ship. Yeah, and the USS uh, uh, smokestack, you're going down with a ship, right? Because you're the captain, and and even that's if you right. didn't throw the wrench in, you are responsible for that. Um, that's a very traditional idea that's right there embedded in in traditional theology as well. That that I think has been i do think that i do think was has been overlooked in these cases um i do think the the bishops and the priests maybe might have some some answer need to answer some questions about when abuse cases rise up or why under your watch was this happening why under your watch was this was this around absolutely absolutely that's that doesn't necessarily mean that their system is either set up intentionally, which is often the yeah. accusation, set up to maintain this kind of thing's ability to happen, or at the best, sort of unable to stop it, which also turns a blind eye to the truth that, as far as I know, I cannot think of a system in which the presence of sinful humans has not led to sinful right. outcomes. Right, right. right. I mean, but when, when, when things work as they ought to be, I mean, a good, and I'm using the word patriarch, not in a, not in a political way, but a good patriarch, under a good patriarch, abusers will be afraid. <laughs> abusers right. would not be willing. They would, be, they would go to find, try to find another place. <laughs> to 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 do their abuse and that's that's under a good leader there is a kind of a, a, a holy fear of of abusing the weak I, hey i know if i take advantage of this person that i'm going to be in serious trouble so i'm not going to do that um in, in this place and that's the kind of atmosphere that a good leader seeks to uh, seeks to promote and that's not and that's not um you can do you can you can do that and you should do that and in fact the the, the traditional framework of leadership in every sphere certainly in, encourages that kind of that kind of responsibility yeah but there is there is no 100 percent effective system and i mean if anything in the church with our doctrine of original sin our actual true understanding of the capabilities of the sinful human heart um we should be as quick to um, acknowledge and put in systems of protection and and uh, you know sort of wolf alarms as as much as anyone. I mean, I think about the the abuse that takes place in the public school system or the private school or school system. You know, you think about the fact that many nursing homes won't let people work more than two or three years at any given place because the hardness and callousness of the human heart just inevitably tends towards darkness unless redeemed and and restored. And so we. We have a, a world where violence and genuine abuse is ever present. And I agree with you, Matt, that good leaders and not only prepare for the protection of those in their care, but also accept responsibility when it proves that they were negligent in that. Um, and so I think that, you know, again, these are all conversations that have been happening and are happening. The big change in the whole discussion has come relatively recent with, as you mentioned in the very beginning, Matt, with this this unquestioned survivor or whatever they call the victim advocacy idea, um, which has thrown the actual system, you know, of sort of due process uh, almost entirely out the window and turned it over to kind of a social justice vigilante mob sort of situation. And it's just something, again, I've said before, I'm grateful that our bishops in our province is pushing back on because if we set this precedent and go down this path, well, then 
it's a very it's it's a much darker one than I think anyone could actually imagine if we if we end up in a place where sort of trial by public opinion is how we run our churches. And um, and I'm grateful that that doesn't seem to be the case at this point, although, you know, there's people that want it to be moving quicker and faster. But I'm hopeful and grateful that as we've seen in the past, that at the end of this process, that there will be a clear verdict and judgment will be levied and appropriate to the crime and that the work of restitution and uh, reconciliation will take place in the church by the means of grace and in the hope of glory. I mean, that's that's what I hope. And I think we have good reason to expect that because that's been the pattern that in the relatively young age of the ACNA, we've already seen established in a variety of cases. And so I'm very grateful for that. And no, no, one, sh- no one should hear those who are raising questions about ACNA2 and other organizations as as wanting to be soft on abusers. And in fact, I mean, we, I, I personally, I can't speak for you guys, but I, I advocate biblical justice which if you find someone sexually abusing another person, I mean, what the old Testament has some, has some pretty clear, has pretty clear civil uh, punishments for those things, uh, rape, death, forcible sexual entry into anybody, death. I mean, uh, I'm, I'm totally fine with very extremely harsh penalties for those who abuse others under their care. And, and that's, that's where I think the Roman Catholic church and, um, and of course, uh, in certain cases, the Church of England, and um, maybe in this case, who knows? I don't know what's going to happen. The ACNA, anybody who's sheltering an abuser is is also running afoul of biblical justice. As, as I'm not a theonomist, but I but I think in the case of not yet, not yet. But I think in the case, I think in the case of 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 forcible sexual abuse by a person in authority that the full weight of, of biblical justice should be should come down on that person's um, shoulder. I mean, he should, be, of course, be given an opportunity to repent, um, um, believe the gospel, and go to heaven when he dies, but there should be some so, such serious consequences that this will, this will be, there will be a true deterrent. And I can understand how decade after decade after decade after decade of, of, a, of Catholic priests being caught and then transferred, or pastor so-and-so being caught and uh, everyone hushing it up and uh, telling the victim to be quiet and paying her a lot of money. I can, I can understand the rage there that that should, and that should rightly induce rage. Um, all, all we're saying is let's make sure we're not, we're not accusing, we're not letting the accusation itself stand as the verdict. I wonder in our last minute or two, if you guys would address the, impact of this kind of conversation on other conversations that are happening when when we find it hard to say something hard to somebody because we have come into a culture now where any sort of thing that might be seen as self-defense is interpreted as an attempt to maintain power and any sort of suggestion that the person I'm speaking to is somehow wrong, is an assault on their person. How, how, can we, how can we recover the ability to speak to one another with some level of honesty? Um, yeah, no, I think I, I, in, in many cases with, 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 for lack of a better word, uh, these kind of woke manifestations of a, a new redef- a redefinition of justice and what it means to be, uh, to discover and discern the truth, 
many of them, I just think deserve to be ignored and laughed off. I mean, <laughs> the idea that an accused person doesn't have the right to defend himself. That's, that's French revolution stuff. That's, that's jacket and stuff. Um, that's, that's not, that has, that should have no oxygen in the church, no oxygen in the, in any congregation or diocese and people who suggest that sort of thing should be called to repent and uh, turn to the Lord because they've embraced a false sense of what truth is. And, and so, and so, I mean, I, the, the, in fact, if, if the clergy inv- in, adopt that kind of idea, they should be disciplined because they've, they've departed from the scriptures, they departed from the word of God and the faith. So it, 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 I don't think you should have, no one should, anyone should take it seriously. Of course, when you're walking into a situation where people have already taken it very seriously, then you got a, a different kind of problem. You got to perform the system from within. Um, you've got, you've, and, and I don't, I don't know the answer to that question. I don't know, I don't know how to fix the diocese that is so eaten up with with this kind of woke understanding of of abuse that that an accusation is true until proven not true. Um, other than if, <laughs> other than maybe uh, not fighting that within, but without. I mean, having a province do something or having a, a, a higher authority do something. But I, I don't, yeah, I don't know. Once it once it gets started, it's super hard to start. It, this is this is why the French Revolution. I, mean, I mentioned the Jacobins a minute ago. This is why the Jacobins were successful. Once you get started with a, a culture in which you are guilty until you're proven innocent, until you, until you can r- right. say the right words that, that show that you're on the side of the revolution, your neck is is <laughs> is, is is for the guillotine. Well, it's it's a mass slaughter, and it, there's nothing you can do about it unless you have a, a, something more powerful to turn the tide. Right. Yeah, I agree. And I, I mean, I think, you know, Nick, answer to your question, I mean, I think this is where, for me at least, I have been uh, redoubled in my teaching and preaching efforts, for that, for, for that matter, in um, clarifying what what actually is, you know, sinful and and um, harmful and and abusive, you know, in, in actual from 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 the Bible. I mean, this is these are these are uh, this is what God has said about male-female relations, what God has said about, um, you know, the kingdom of God is what Paul articulates as, as behaviors and, and activities that will, you know, harm your soul, if not, if not uh, damage your salvation. And, you know, this, in, to a certain degree, it's like, don't shoot the messenger. You know, this isn't, I'm, I'm trying to be gentle and graceful and sitting under the same um, law as you are and receiving the same just condemnation for my sins, but for the mercies of God in Christ. So this is, you know, this is not a a um, high-handed uh, sort of power move. This is this is sinners who have been brought up short before the Word of God, and to the extent that you are being brought up short um, in one way that may be different than mine, doesn't mean that both of us aren't. And so, so what I mean by that is that to offset the allegations of somehow being um, or the implications of somehow being, you know, um, harsh or, or judgmental or toxic, is to be as as aware of the of the mercies of God in Christ as possible, while at the same time upholding his, his just and righteous law, which can be a very painful thing to be brought to bear outside of his mercies. And so that's one answer uh, just within the church. But I think secondarily, I, I sort of share with Matt um, some, some, I don't know if it's despair that I was hearing, but at the very least some concern about um, turning back from this, because we've seen it before. You know, we've seen it when people lose uh, was sort of the, the, the frenzy of, of uh, righteous indignation that ultimately became homicidal in the uh, French Revolution becomes to the, the default p- position, um, well, then it's, it's 
really hard to turn back before a lot of people are taken down in the midst of it. And so I'm hopeful and prayerful uh, that our leaders in our province, in particular in our church and our little section who have um, established procedures, who have ways of, of dealing with these things and have shown uh, the propensity and courage to do so in the past will continue to hold fast so that in the future, you know, God forbid, uh, but, but entirely possible, one of us or, or people we know are involved in a situation like that as either the accused or the victim that we will trust, as has been witnessed, that there is a process, however imperfect, but still um, reaching towards justice, this side of heaven in the church that is being conducted by faithful, thoughtful, wise, and um, uh, courageous shepherds. And that's, that's the only hope I have. I mean, raising five kids in a church, you know, being in charge of one, uh, you know, having leadership in it myself, um, there's all sorts of uh, reasons to be worried about this culture of uh, toxicity, quote unquote, and abuse, quote unquote. And yet I'm grateful that in the midst of the rising tide of sort of vigilante um, execution, uh, we seem to be, we seem to be in a place that is maintaining its head and uh, pun not intended, but nevertheless, uh, keeping, keeping its head about it. And, um, and for that, I'm grateful. Well, I hope that all of our, listeners are and will join us as we continue to pray for our province, for this provincial response team, for those who have felt the need to resign, for the victims of this alleged abuse, and for everybody involved. We we pray that the, the, the scriptures would be brought to bear on this situation and that most of all, um, the grace of God would flow over onto everyone. Uh, that is all the time that we're going to have this week for the show. If you want to keep the conversation going with us, please be in touch. You can rate and review the podcast on iTunes or send us an email to mailbag at standfirminfaith.com. And you can join the Anglicans for the Gospel Facebook group. Uh, we are, as always, very grateful for your taking the time to listen today. Thanks to Matt Kennedy and to J.D. Koch. I'm Nick Lannon, and Lord willing, we'll be back next week. Until then, by the grace of God and Jesus Christ, we'll be standing firm. Oh, 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 oh